Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. On this episode of Big Boys Don't Cry, we discuss the film Pompeii. You don't have to have seen the film to enjoy the podcast, but if you do listen without having seen the film, just be aware that we discuss elements of the plot and they will be spoiled for you. Enjoy. Can you just hear me the once this time? You haven't got you haven't got double rob on the go. You are just appearing once. You know, one of you is enough for now. <laughs> oh dear. So shall we? Shall we, let's start over, shall we? Yeah, let's start over. Um, Pompeii, Bastille. More jokes about Bastille, the band who are not French. Whoop, whoop, whoop. <laughs> so yeah, so um, Pompeii is a song by the band Bastille, who we both like. Unfortunately, that is not the um, what we went for with this episode. We did not uh, just listen to Bastille. No, this ain't no music podcast, y'all. Yeah, we this, don't, is, a, we this don't... is a film podcast. This is all about other films. forms. All other forms of media can get out, <laughs> especially music. Yeah, music is the worst. I say, having just put down the guitar, which I was noodling on while I waited for you to sort out your technical problems. <laughs> so, so uh, a little bit of background here for for the listeners, since this is going to be they're going to be diving right in here. Um, for some reason, I was doubling up on the um, on the audio thing, and you know, obviously, what's better than one Rob Gordon? Two Rob Gordons. Apparently, <laughs> it's not just my own self loathing that realizes this might be an issue. Um, and when it comes to the uh, audio format, a, a double up of a voice is not always the best thing. Um, so <laughs> let's 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 try again. I don't know what caused it. I blame you know Apple, Tim Apple. It's all his yeah. fault. <laughs> Tim Apple. <laughs> yeah, Tim Apple, which is definitely his name, and which he has been called to his face by the President of the United States. And, Ergo, it is true. And if the President of the United States says that's your name, that is your name by law. Let's yeah. be honest here. Definitely. Yeah. So, who's got who's got four thumbs and a whole host of technical problems? It is you, my it's, friend. It's the double rob. Um, so, <laughs> now that sounds like a horror film, isn't that rob. like isn't that that um that Jordan Peele film that's out right now? Double rob. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. It's double rob, isn't it? Yeah. You know what? There's only one of. No, I don't. 2014's Pompeii. Mount Vesuvius. <laughs> <laughs> there is only one. It's not Mount v- Mount Vesuvia, is it? It's Mount Vesuvius. Exactly. Yeah. You you know your Latin word endings, sir. <laughs> so, so, Paddy. Yes. Did you enjoy this piece of shit? You you know what? I I did. Damn I right actually, you did. I actually enjoyed this way more than I was expecting to <laughs> and was really pleasantly surprised by it, which might not be what you want to hear, but... Uh, it yeah, was I've, exactly I've... what I wanted to hear, Paddy. <laughs> At first, I was like, "Oh yeah, this this is obviously rubbish." But uh, as it went on, I sort of I allowed myself to to be entertained by it, and then I ended up really enjoying it. Yeah. Even you know, you know, there's nothing cerebral about it. There's nothing you know life changing or philosophical or anything about it. But uh, it's got really good action scenes that do compel you, and that's the main thing, you know. And everyone who's in it knows that it's kind of dumb, and it, it's just a dumb action movie and an entertainment, and in that sense, it works. 
so yeah i was i was actually quite glad that you um that you put it in because it was a bit it was something of a palate cleanser as well wasn't it it was uh it, it was is good. it is you don't need to think when you're watching pompeii and and for me this movie it's kind of it's not a shit piece because a shit piece absolutely not i i think has to it has to convey the weird it has to have something so bizarre about it that you're compelled and there's nothing there's nothing bizarre about pompeii no, a shit piece would usually have incompetent action scenes or really over the top stuff, or you know performances that are really you know off kilter or you know clunky dialogue. And there is some clunky dialogue in this, but it's never really crosses into the shit piece into shit piece territory. I yeah, think. Be- because shit piece is all about the strange, and and instead, what you get with Pompeii, you get it is Gladiator meets Titanic, and that is all it is, and no. that's all it wants to be with with a, with the side of the horse whisperer. <laughs> the side of the horse whisperer. So, so Pompeii. For for those of you that, that have not had the pleasure of watching Pompeii, um, it is a movie about a young Celt gladiator played by Kit Harrington from Game of Thrones, the sexy Very man tiny, from Games of Thrones. Yep, the 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 sexiest Game of Thrones. <laughs> um, the 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 end of the Game of Thrones is who gets to sit on Kit Harrington's lap. Um, <laughs> And I can't believe they've taken this many seasons to get there. Yeah, it's like, like um, or is it? It's one of those reality TV shows, like The Bachelor, where yeah, they just exactly keep making, keep making seasons, and it's basically just The Bachelor, except everyone's dressed up in like, um, you know, se- sexy fantasy outfits, and there's dragons and stuff. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, <laughs> but so, 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 so uh, Kit Harrington of Game of Thrones. This is a very timely episode, of course, because. Um, by the time this episode comes out, it will just be a couple of days before the final season of Game of Thrones yeah. uh, reappears. It's going to be oh, it's going to be good. I'm excited. So Kit Harrington, he is a gladiator um, from from Britain, but he is ported off to Pompeii to fight in the gladiator fights there in their Colosseum. Because However, why not? Because why not? You know, we got to get some. We got to get a good curly haired beardy man. Um, showing off his abs as much as possible. His abs um, and his sort of weirdly soft, lovely face. He does. He has a. He's. It's a cherubic face. This is the, the the British pin-up version of Paul Dano, I suppose. I don't know if I'd go that far. <laughs> what that Paul Dano is already a pin-up in his own right. Yeah, yeah. I, I've got a um, picture of Paul Dano up on my wall. I've got one in my wallet. Um, but... <laughs> no, that's that's just your fake ID. That's just, I've just, I met Paul Dano, stole his ID, and now whenever I need to, buy whenever you need to go to the, the liquor States, store, <laughs> even though I'm thirty, yeah, um, <laughs> you got yeah, you you've got Paul Dano's face on an Australian driver's license <laughs> with what with a single name, with, yeah, just just Dan McRobin. <laughs> um, so so he's a gladiator, but on his way to um to Pompeii. He he meets uh, Emily Browning's Cass- Cassia. Cassia, yeah. Um, can I just point out that the 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 hot foreboding um, Celtic gladiator's name is Milo. I know, <laughs> but you don't find out until like halfway through, which yeah, is which is quite a nice then, little thing. T- until then, it's just Hot John Snowman. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Hi, I'm Hot John. I'm I'm Hot John Snow. Like Simpson. that's that's two words. Hot, hot yeah, Hot John. Hot Snowman. 
um but uh but yeah so so he meets cassia played by emily browning emily browning is is someone who i really like and i think is really good see i I had not seen any of her work before but i knew her name and then i realized it was because i'd seen it on the wikipedia page last week of the film ghost ship (laughs) a classic um and, and but I really like Emily Browning. I think she's very underrated. Um, I think unfairly tainted by the film Sucker Punch. Oh um, yes, I which, was which going to tanked, mention that she was in that, which I have which not tanked, seen. It tanked quite a lot of women's careers, quite unfairly. Um, uh, a lot of the people in in it um, are female. Um, is that a I, Zack Snyder film? It is a Zack Snyder film, of course. Zack, Zack Snyder. Snyder. Isn't... <laughs> As if Zack Snyder is like a character from an 80s uh, cartoon. Yeah, like Saved by the Bell or whatever. (laughs) (laughs) He walks into the room in an open Hawaiian shirt. Zack Snyder. And and Zack Snyder, of course, went on to direct some very, very big films afterwards and and had directed some very big um, films before Sucker Punch. What's that one that all the the comics boys like? Watching the men. He did Uh, that one. Yes, yeah. The the Man Watcher, I think it's called. Yeah, the, The Man Watcher. And he's a big blue guy. But they yeah, can't. It, they can't see him watching the men. No, or, but he can see them watching yeah. the men. Yeah. Um, and and yeah. So so he's had a he's had a big career. Um, Oscar Isaac was in that movie and had a very big career. But um, a lot of the women, I think, from that film, it kind of damaged their careers a little bit, which I think is quite unfair. Yeah. Should we talk about that film at some point? It looks. I've never seen it, but it looks bloody awful. It is. It's a weird one because. You can see what Zack Snyder's going for, um, where he's 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 basically trying to make a meta movie about how those kind of uh, male centric fantasies in movies are damaging and full of tropes, but at the same time, right. he's utilizing the same thing. Right. And so it 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 doesn't. So quite it's work. like it's like how the the men on Top Gear try and claim that it's satirical when actually it's not. Or like the people who laugh at the pub landlord on face value. Is it like that? Yeah, and I think part of and part of the problem is, yeah, that a lot of the people who saw it thought of it as pub landlord at face value. And I don't think it's the same as Top Gear because I think I genuinely think Zack Snyder was very earnest about what he was trying to do with it. And in some ways the film works and in some ways the film doesn't. So it's it's I don't know. I, I, I have mixed feelings about it. Um where I like the fact that someone was trying to make a movie like that, but I don't think it really worked very well um but she's in that and she's in quite a lot of other good things she's in the uh, american gods series um based on the uh, neil gaiman book and cool. and yeah but i think unfortunately she is one of the many many talented people who has to deal with the script of pompeii yeah um, <laughs> which is uh and and it, it's interesting because you can see you can see the people who really went into it um trying earnestly and then you can see the people like keith sutherland in this <laughs> film who were just like you know what i'm gonna go you know all what? out on chewing this scenery i once and... met a british old person who went to eton and i'm going to imitate him <laughs> but every so often i'm, but to I'm going to <laughs> do it as if i'm chewing a plum at the same time <laughs> it's like a a a 19th century um posh new yorkian meets henry the eighth is yeah. what Keith Sutherland's going for in this film, and I absolutely love it. <laughs> as soon as he started speaking, I was like, "Yep, okay, we're, that this is happening. This is what's going on. All right." <laughs> yeah, and and so that, and and I think that's the point in this film where you kind of just embrace the cheese and just go all in on it. Um, yeah. Whereas up until that point, you're kind of like, "Oh, you know, this is a bit 
I don't it's know. a bit. It's trying to be a bit serious. It opens with a massacre. His whole family get killed. Here's some fighting scenes. Like it, up until that point, it's just gladiator. It is just gladiator. Up until uh, it's gladiator with 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 some romance. Like uh, after the 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 his first fighty fighty scene, of which there are quite a few. After his first fighty scene, I really like did expect him to stand up and go, "Are you not entertained?" <laughs> are you not entertained this is not why you're here <laughs> when he's in londinium when he's in londinium yeah of which um, they have to have an aerial shot of london anytime london appears in a film doesn't matter what time period it is you have to have an aerial shot of it just sort of slightly zooming in just so you know that it's london exactly you've got to do that it's 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 law it's law it's it's international law it is it's, well it's, it's eu law so after after we eventually leave the eu we won't have to do that anymore and all of these scenes can be retroactively deleted from films i mean it's a good thing as well because we won't be able to get any planes or helicopters off the ground to make those aerial shots anyway yeah that's true i think we, so... we won't be able to get any films made either <laughs> <laughs> we won't be able to do that either um so so yeah so he goes off to Pompeii and then he falls in love with with Cassia who is a rich sort of aristocratic person but with a genuine heart of gold who thinks that you know gladiatorial combat is all wrong. Yeah. Um, but her and her family which is um her mother played by Carrie Ann Moss who has about three lines of dialogue before she dies. Um and Jared Harris for some reason is in this movie as well. Um and uh, and they are being harassed by Keith Sutherland's uh, Corvus the evil Corvus. Um, and so there's this whole sort of political background of it, but that doesn't matter. What matters is that there's a big gladiator fight and then the volcano explodes and there's people running around on fire. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's what you're And, here and for. then there's a random huge wave for no reason, because why not? Yep. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's, um, de- that's definitely exactly how volcanic eruptions work. Yeah, there's always a tsunami of a volcanic eruption. I don't think... <laughs> thinking about it so i have been to pompeii so have i um, and i am fascinated by it it is one of the most interesting places i think for history in europe going to pompeii and herculaneum and as i understand it pompeii was hit with the pyroclastic uh, flow of um boiling hot ash from the uh from the volcano when it erupted um whereas herculaneum was uh covered it had a had a much worse fate herculaneum because i think effectively the entire town which was the the posh sort of spa resort side of of um of the island of of pompeii um it got they basically got drowned in boiling mud didn't they yeah which is why it's so much better preserved did you go there as well yes yeah Um, yeah it's wicked isn't it it, it, all of the buildings are preserved and everything like that. The the bodies are just sort of like skeletons there. Whereas yeah. in Pompeii, that's where you've got those incredible sort of plaster figures where they've um, where they've sort of um, preserved the where people were standing and everything like that. Whereas Herculaneum is is more visceral in that respect. Um, so I don't know if there was a giant wave that crashed into Pompeii. <laughs> there certainly yeah, maybe, maybe there was, but we can't there, know that for sure. No, there certainly weren't giant flaming falling rocks and lava um by by the point that lava would reach pompeii everyone would already have been dead um so they do take they take some that's what um, i thought as well because also there would have been like poisonous gas and stuff and sulfurous yeah not good a lot of people would have just fainted and then been covered in mud and then yeah 
Yeah, the the best volcano movie, of course, is Dante's Peak, starring yep. my man Piers Brosnan. Bronholm. Yeah. A great movie that. Can we watch that on here? I don't think there's enough romances there. There's love between a man and a volcano. <laughs> there is love between a man and a woman, and love between a man and a volcano. If, if, if that's I, wrong, I don't want to be right. But I don't know if there is enough to warrant watching it on here, whereas obviously Pompeii is very romance-centric, but also bromance-centric, which I enjoy. Yeah. So so there's there's a romance between Milo... <laughs> Milo. Milo. And, and Milo Cassia. Yiannopoulos. But... <laughs> I don't think he would last very long in in an arena. No, I'm not, lie. He not would even not. the arena of ideas. Old Milo. <laughs> um, well, in which he has been tried and found wanting. <laughs> um, uh, but but Milo also has a bit of a bromance going on with Atticus. Yeah, it's um, main man Atticus. He's um, trying to play, trying to win his freedom. Played by Adewale Akane um, Agbaje, who is in um, he plays Killer Croc. In the <laughs> in in the um, Suicide Squad movie, and is one of the best things about it. Excellent. Um, that movie is a bit of a mess, but the cast is great, and the the interaction between the cast are really good. And him as him as Killer Croc is great. Oh and, and wait, he, it's, here he's in the Born Identity. I have seen him in that. That's where and, I knew him from. And and he is great in this. I think Atticus is my favorite character. Yeah, for sure. He's good. Um, he has he walks the line between being sort of funny and also you know obviously standoffish and hard and epic and he does some really good fighting and yeah it's great. He, he hits a lot of Romans with an axe is what we're trying to say. A giant axe. A big old axe that at its peak he just throws about a hundred meters straight into a guy's chest. <laughs> if, if if you come into this movie and you don't want to see that, I'm not sure that this is for you. <laughs> but but, yeah. but it is it is really good fun, isn't it, Pompeii? It is, it, yeah. The, the fight the fighty scenes are quite a good laugh. And it, as soon as the mountain needs to go boom, it goes boom. That's the thing. Yeah. And I actually it actually came sooner than I was expecting because we were still sort of in the middle act of the film, and then suddenly it's like, nope, here's the mountain. The the last act is happening now. You better believe it. So it sort of had a lot of beginning, very little middle, and then a lot of end, which yeah. is, I guess, how a lot of these you know, more action-based films work because I don't watch that many of them. I guess I'm not as used to that. Yeah, I think I think this movie feels like a very old-fashioned action movie um, in that way. So, so at, at, the, at the moment, you know, you've got these very, very epic, like almost slow-burning action movies where they sort of very carefully plot out their action scenes and they all do have that sort of slow section in the middle like you go and watch any avengers movie and they've all got that bit in the middle where they're like hmm we better all act moody and and <laughs> like what we're doing really matters whereas here it whereas here it is just like yeah let's go chop off some people's heads and then we'll have a little bit of flirting via a horse <laughs> and then and then uh oh uh oh everything's exploding after we've stabbed some people let's go stab some more people whilst things explode and try and get some horses out of the Colosseum. Yeah. Let's yeah. not forget the horses, because every every opportunity you have, you have to be reminded that he's a sensitive horseman. His people were horse people. They keep saying, literally, as if it doesn't make you think that his people were centaurs. Yes, exactly. Um, and, uh, you know, the horse is, spoiler alert, the horse is possibly the only survivor in this movie. We oh, don't yeah. know if the horse survives. Because it runs. <laughs> It runs away, which is what they should have done instead of talking. They do a yeah. lot of talking as a volcano is exploding. But yeah, it's 
it's a silly film. This and then they decide to just it. stand there and finally smooch while the fire engulfs them, which was obviously going to happen. Which was going to happen because they wanted to recreate the, the lovers of Pompeii, which I think they now believe is two like family members, like a bro- like two brothers who were just trying to shelter each other. Right. Instead of instead of two people kissing. No, oh, that's a shame. Yeah, which is um it is a shame. It was a nice sort of poetic moment, wasn't it? Yeah, um, it was. Although the it's the the opening scene is like a close up of all the rocks and stuff and then it returns to that at the end with some nice book ending. But in the opening scene you don't know what it is, it just looks like the asteroid level from Star Fox sixty four. <laughs> that's what they were going for, Paddy. Yeah, I'm sure. That's what they were going for. Um on and, Star and Fox, he was there at Pompeii. He was there at Pompeii. He's what caused it. Dropped some space bombs into the volcano. The bastard. Oh, yeah. What an idiot. Like, yeah. Why did he do that? It's just a dick. Star Fox. <laughs> yeah. What a jeb end. I'm all about Star Wolf. He's misunderstood. He is a, he is a misunderstood man, is the old Wolfie. A wolf boy. Wolf boys for life. Um, and as you know... When it comes to Smash Brothers, it's all about the Captain Falcon. Oh, yeah, yeah. Falcon Punch. <laughs> Falcon Punch. Instead of the... Who brings a gun to a punch-up? That's what Star Fox does. What a loser. Honestly. It's, it's rude, is what it is. It's disrespectful. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> so, um, so, Pompeii, right. I, I think my favourite thing about this movie, um, aside from... Um, Kiefer Sutherland is how much it feels like a Resident Evil film because it's by the same director um, and it's got that same kind did, of feel Did he it. direct all of the Resident Evil movies? He did not. He only directed the most entertaining ones. Because I've seen the first one, not for a very long time, but I did see it when it first came out and yeah, I thought so, it was fine. So um, Paul W.S. Anderson has a very interesting career as a director um he he first directed um well his first big film was mortal Kombat, the mortal Kombat movie um right which is awesome if you've ever seen it um it's one of three uh movies based on video games that are actually good to watch um but he then followed it followed it up by a very interesting um sort of horror sci-fi movie called event horizon um which is almost like it's like a haunted house movie but set in space so <laughs> there's this experimental spaceship that's supposed to travel through wormholes that disappeared and then reappears like 10 years later and it's all about the salvage crew that goes there to explore it and lo and behold obviously it went into the hell dimension and bad Ooh. things happen. Um, but it's actually a really clever quite sort of body horror-ish um, with sort of overtones of sort of Lovecraftian horror and things like that. It's quite a clever, dumb movie. But then, of course, he went on to do the Resident Evil films, and he did Alien vs. Predator. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, so I think he did three or four of the Resident Evil films, um, and they all have this kind of silly action movie vibe. Um, none of them take themselves very seriously, and I think they're all the better for it, because you do get these these kind of movies like you could imagine this film being made by someone who didn't have a sense of humor and who didn't yeah. have a sense for melodrama either someone like michael bay for example yeah th- this if for this whom was made... it would have been a pornographic gore fest 
Yeah, if it was done by Michael J- Michael Bay, it would have been <laughs> Michael J. Bay. <laughs> Michael J. Bay. <laughs> 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 it, it would it would have been fart jokes everywhere. It would have been like silly slapstick humor where it didn't really feel appropriate, and it would have been. Um, and you know he does have a he does have a flair for for big old explosions like in Armageddon, um, but he's kind of I don't think he's really got that down anymore, and so you could kind of see it being by, directed by him. But Paul W S Anderson does have it's almost like he's great at making cult classics, um, but with sort of big bombastic stylings um, is where it kind of where it kind of comes from. And I expected it to be gratuitous, but it wasn't. You know, the, there were, the fighty scenes were long, but there wasn't loads of like really gory actions. No one like got at, like actually beheaded or anything. You know, you saw people get stabbed and get axes thrown at them and whatever, but none of it was that gruesome. And I thought that it, you know, it sort of it treated all of that stuff with a bit of respect and wasn't trying to. It wasn't saying, yeah, yeah look at this gore, man. It was all in serve. It was genuinely action in service of. The love story yeah and and i think it works in that regard it's i i don't want to give this movie too much credit for being something it's not but i no, no. i really i really enjoy this as a cheesy sort of silly kind of bad action film but i i do i do really like it it's got a charm to it i think if it wasn't for Kiefer sutherland's performance i think it would be kind of boring yes yeah and i, and I think those performances really push it over the edge into sort of hokey fun and he's um, he's always got this like mad glint in his eye hasn't he, he like, really you know does. he's about to do something horrible and and yeah he's he's he perfects the villain smirk in this film it, it it's the closest i've seen to something like jeremy irons's performance in um in dungeons and dragons <laughs> um where it's really got that um that maniacal vibe to it that sleazy evil vibe um but it's all done with sort of like half effort yeah um and i really i really dig it in here there's this great bit at the end where the the volcano is exploding and he's got this chariot and he's he's chained um cassia to it because he's going to ride off into the sunset and be an evil husband and he turns to his second in command guy and is like there's no room for you on this and just rides off (laughs) and the the second in command bloke who is like he's the most dickish character in this he's all like i'm a roman he's really annoying and has really weird curly hair that looks like it's been drawn on with a sharpie yeah um he's 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 a really irritating character in this and he's the one that you most want to get stabbed uh, which happens obviously because this is a movie where the good guys kind of win um yeah but as best you can when the mountain is going to kill everyone yeah, anyway yeah when there's a volcano that's going to blow up and kill everybody it's the, the the best um sort of outcome you can hope for um but yeah and keith looks keith as other just like there's no room for you here and he just rides off and the, the second in command isn't sometimes in this movies you get those moments where people are like no don't leave without me but he's just kind of like yeah okay yeah (laughs) it just yeah it just tickles me his performance but but then as soon as he's the one chained to the rock that he's all like oh no you can't leave me here you can't leave me here (laughs) all outraged but but it's full of hilarious moments like that even from the word go um i was i didn't remember it from when i first watched it but there's this there's this moment during the massacre at the beginning where the Celts are being killed by the Romans, um, where young young Jon Snow's mother 
sort of picks him up and cradles him and then she just gets knocked out by this horse out of yeah nowhere. and it's supposed to be, it's clearly supposed to be a very shocking moment but it's just burst out laughing funny and you know they're they're horse people so they should know how to stop a horse if a horse is running at you but they seem completely unable to yes um and uh, yeah it's just full of those kind of moments uh, it's yeah if you want a good time if you want to watch something fun then Pompeii is a very fun film. It is, yeah. It is fun and stupid. And stupid. Stupid is a very good word for it. Um, And (laughs) it's just, oh dear. It just makes me laugh an awful lot just thinking about the random moments in it. I I really love Kiefer Sutherland in this film. He is is great. It's one of my favourite performances of his. It's Yeah, and and I, I really... What I like about Kiefer Sutherland is that he's... He's kind of got the same glass cannon feel to him as um, Keanu Reeves, where if you use him in an efficient manner, you can get a really good performance out of him. So um, so movies like Phone Booth, for instance, where you all you do is hear his voice and he puts in this very um, terrifying, foreboding performance in that film. Um, it's carried by two performances by um, Colin Farrell, who spends the entire movie in a phone booth, Yep. And and Keith Sutherland, who is the voice on the other end of the phone. And somehow it works very well. And it and it's because of those two performances there. But but other movies like Dark City is a really underrated film um from the the I think it was like nineteen ninety nine, something around then. Um, I haven't seen that. Which is a really good sort of like neo noir sci fi movie. Um it, it, if you use him in the right way, Keith Sutherland is really good. But unlike Keanu Reeves, if you use him in the wrong way you have unexpected hilarity and then that's exactly yeah. what happens in Pompeii where Keith Sutherland should never have been given the role of a, a like Roman senator an evil Roman senator but it just works so unbelievably well because you've got that jarring sort of oh what is Keith Sutherland doing now what is this accent why is he smirking in the middle of an exploding volcano yeah why has he he just gone this isn't gladiating. This is politics, or this whatever it is game. that he this says. This is politics. Yeah, which was one of the dumbest lines I've ever seen in a film. <laughs> and he's just openly saying that, "Yes, I am here to fuck over all of you and take your hand in marriage, and that's politics." <laughs> but that's basically our parliament right now, anyway. So I mean, yeah, it is the the greatest moment of realism in Pompeii. Um, yeah. Speaking of realism, did you know that a lot of work went into trying to make Pompeii accurate? in certain areas really um yeah so they actually did things like superimposing um footage of real life pompeii over their version of it to make sure that it looked as accurate as possible um and moments like they they um that there was a body found uh in the Colosseum, in kind of the same way that atticus is at the end of the film Right, when he has the most epic moment of the entire film where he's just shouting at the, like, um, volcanic eruption that's coming at him, going, I'm a free man, I'm a gladiator, I am epic, I am free. I'm great. And then he dies. (laughs) I am great. I am so great. Everybody loves me. (laughs) It's basically that. It is basically that, and it's awesome. And you're just like, yes, lad, get on it. Yeah, you've earned it. Um, it's, yeah, it, it was really good. Um, but, but yeah, they, they did actually put quite a lot of effort into certain parts of it in terms of, um, making it, um, look realistic and also sort of looked at examples of, 
actual eruptions we had seen to try and convey it in the same way. However, because right. I was wondering about that, I was like, with all of the the way that like the fire things were streaming were really like sort of actual bombs. <laughs> I <was> like, <laughs> is that really how vol- a volcanic eruption works? But I don't know. I'm not a volcano guy. What do I know? Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. We're not volcano people. Um, but um, an archaeologist at the University of Southern California um, actually said that um, aspects of the sort of architecture and things like that, they, they got very, very right in this film. Oh, good. Because that's an e- a very, very easy and cheap thing to throw at these kind of films, isn't it? Oh, it's not historically accurate. Oh, no, the Romans never would have done that. Oh, no, gladiators didn't dress like that. Oh, who cares? It's an action film. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and they're so, you know, I, I don't come from that school of film criticism. But if a film sucks, I'm willing to entertain those, <laughs> those, um, those kind of um, points about it. Exactly, exactly. And <laughs> if, it, if it's rubbish, we're going to nitpick it to death. Um, but i'm I'm completely the same way i'm willing to overlook things like that but i really like the fact that they put the effort in to making it look as realistic to pompeii as they could do um and and so i think that kind of that that quite outweighs the fact that they did things like having the giant raining fireballs (laughs) or or like um the way that people acted obviously nobody in this movie is based on a real life human being um and and I I like the fact that they did put a little bit of effort into it to make it seem realistic. I I like that, and I think that level of dedication and care I think is worth mentioning. Yeah, definitely, because you would have noticed if they didn't. Yeah, yeah. If there was if there was like I don't know a, a giant um, greyhound racing track in the middle, for instance. <laughs> yeah, they just they just filmed it at the dog track and then superimposed the coliseum onto it. <laughs> Exactly, <laughs> but they forgot to edit out one greyhound. And there's <laughs> there's just like, one greyhound running around in, in the fighting scene. You just see this like this little greyhound just run past for half a second. You're like, oh, what's that? <laughs> amazing. Um, but yeah, so so in some ways it's silly, but I do like that old Paul W S Anderson did put in, you know, put some care into it, which is good. Yeah, and do like. do you believe the love story? Um, no. I don't believe in that story. <laughs> no, we know It's ridiculous. She she sees she basically sees him, and he he helps a horse, um, and she orders them to let him help the horse, even though they all say that he's a savage and he's a brute. Um, and then her and her friends spend about five minutes in their in their carriage talking about his rock hard abs, and then that's that's their relationship basically. And to be fair, he does have a rock hard abs in yep. this film. Um, a little bit of trivia for you here, Paddy. Um, <laughs> Kit Harrington has rock hard abs. Kit Harrington, he does have rock hard abs. Uh, when they first released the posters for this film with his rock hard abs on show, people said, "Oh, mate, I can't believe they photoshopped on Kit Harrington's abs." Uh, this incensed Paul W. S. Anderson because he was like, "Mate, no, Kit Harrington, he has those abs. Those are his rock hard abs, and you will do him the respect he deserves for those rock hard abs." He's the real deal. But I, I, I think in terms of this movie, the only romantic interest that Cassia has ever seen is Kiefer Sutherland, who is a monster. <laughs> yeah. So so seeing one other man who is kind to an animal is probably like, wait, that man is handsome and he cares for horses, I say. Yeah. But yeah, so, so everyone t- then talks about how hot he is. Um, and then the next thing we know, he's trying to escape and is all like, hey, you want to? 
come jump on a horse with me and we'll ride off. Yeah. And and she does it because he has rock hard abs. Yeah, because that's what why romance is. Yeah, and it always it always provi- is there to provide the action. So this is the interesting thing is that it kind of like the action is there to service the love story, but the love story is there to service the action, and the the two things work together in tandem. So the the love thing is there for her to him to them to ride off on the horse, and um, for that to become then a point of action because she's like they're going to kill you for riding away on a horse with me, but then they don't, and it's fine. Yes, and instead they they come up with this Machiavellian plot to kill him off in the arena. Um, that completely fails because they're really bad. Yeah. Um, and they didn't realise that Kit Harrington can fight. <laughs> they don't realise that him and Atticus are like the two best fighting men ever. Yeah, they can they can do all the fighting and all the killing. Um, but you do feel quite bad for the other gladiators who got stuck in, in that yeah. sentence. So just all of them just die. <laughs> and they just die really quickly. And then Kit Harrington and Atticus. Yeah. Uh, well, and all the, all the other the goons. Yeah, the like Roman goons who get sent into the arena who also all get, all get killed. Yes, yeah. Although, what would you rather do? Would you rather get killed by a flying axe or would you rather get killed by a volcanic eruption? Uh, I don't know. I I think I'd probably take the axe because like a volcanic eruption, I don't know, unless it was like an instant hit by one of those big firebomb things, which would kill you instantly. If it was just a, like being suffocated by the noxious gas or whatever, that actually would be really nasty. I think I'd rather have, I'd rather just get axed by Atticus. Yeah, because that's what I was thinking as well. Is like no one's making, no one would make it out of this movie alive. Um, And so I think, yeah, I think I'd rather get killed by the axe. Probably yeah. my 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 number one pick would be, and this is the this is I do rank this as a good movie because it has one of my favourite tropes in movies. Which is, is that when in a disaster scene, a, a, the hero or heroic character has to see a, a small child get um separated from a parent, and then it has to reunite the child with the parent and try and help them. Exactly. That is exactly right. <laughs> the, the, this movie has three things that I really love within that scene. One, it has things exploding and people running past on fire. Any movie <sighs> where someone's on fire running past the camera, instant classic. Um, <laughs> then it has my other favorite thing, which is the hero is running in the other direction to all of the fleeing, panicking civilians. That is always a good yep. shot where the heroes are like, no, I'm going to go the other way. Um, and then it has the a, a small child falls over. The 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 parent is going like, "Where are you, little Mary Beth?" Um, <laughs> uh, the, that famous Roman name, of course. Yeah. Um, and and then the the heroic character is like stops and grabs the kid and brings them through and saves the kid. And and like those are the those are the 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 best things about any sort of disaster movie. Yeah, which all of which happen in Titanic, of course. All, is there anybody on fire in Titanic? Oh, you're right, actually, yeah. Wait, isn't there th- a bit in the engine room? Doesn't Ooh, the engine... Right. Isn't there, like, an right. explosion in the engine room and one of the the engine blokes gets some fire on him? Might be right. I'm not sure whether it's enough fire for it's not, my taste. There's no running. Nobody's running on fire. Nobody's running past on fire going... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> This is yeah, this is the Robert Gordon formula. We should send this to, out to like all filmmakers and just be like, <laughs> dear, "Has your has your film followed the Robert Gordon formula?" Dear Wes Anderson, this is why you're not as good as Paul Anderson. <laughs> dear Paul Where... Thomas Anderson, I tried to watch The Master, 
But at no point <laughs> no was point. Philip Seymour Hoffman on fire. <laughs> Nought out of 20. Speak to your brother, Paul W.S. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, and uh, I, I love those kind of scenes. Um, the, the movie Volcano, uh, which you can tell is good because its name is what it's about. Yeah. <laughs> um, the volcano is great. Have you ever seen have you ever seen Volcano? No, no. Um Volcano is about a volcano that suddenly appears in Los Angeles. What? Um, yeah, I know, right? It's great. Um and... Oh my god, I'm looking at the poster. It says <laughs> it's hotter than hell on it. It's so good. Um I think it came out the same year as Dante's Peak. Dante's Peak is an infinitely better movie, but Volcano <laughs> has this um... Sorry, there's another one that says the coast is toast. <laughs> <laughs> um but there's this amazing moment in it where this guy um he rescues someone from this subway uh train um and then he tries to jump across the lava and fails and he just like <laughs> melts into the lava really slowly <laughs> um and that's the one thing that this movie didn't have that i wish it had i wish it had a, a, a scene aping that exact moment in volcano but it does have people on fire. It also has Roman columns falling down and crushing people. Um, it has a cliff edge falling off and someone falling with it into the sea. Um, you know, what more could you want from a romantic movie? Yeah, her, her ser- servant woman slash best friend falls off the cliff and flaps her arms wildly and then hits some rocks. Yeah, um, which is not good. All because she was going to get water. Sad times. Yeah, to to serve her her friend slash employer. Yeah, <laughs> that's what you get for helping out your employer. Sorry, I'm now just looking at other um, volcano films. There's one called Airplane vs. Volcano, <laughs> based on a true story. Volcano <laughs> Returns. Oh. Come on, that's not real. Volcano Returns, yeah. I love it. Volcano, Fire on the Mountain. Oh, this is like a whole genre of film. I don't think I've seen any of them apart from Dante's Peak. Oh, mate, you've got to get on the Volcano movies. There was a good one in the 80s, wasn't there? I there was a good, a good everything in the 80s. There was a good everything in the 80s. Um, yeah, you don't get good disaster movies like you used to, though, do you? No, you really you don't, don't. You don't get, like, Twister. They're always too serious, aren't they? This is the thing. This is why I. This is why I think I expected this film to be bad. Is because the disaster movies that you get now are too serious. Then they take themselves too seriously, and they're all really kind of weepy and overblown. And they have all these kind of tropes, but they overdo them. Whereas this film was just, yeah, it, it was light enough on the tropes, but still could poke fun at itself. And it had Kiefer Sutherland going, yeah, um, yeah. So I'm on. I'm on board with this bad boy. I I wouldn't say it's a good film, just to clarify. No, no, we've spent a lot of time but, praising it, but it is rubbish. <laughs> it is rubbish, but it's rubbish in the best possible way. Yeah, I realised um, when you when you said it, the, the name of the film last week, in my head, I actually mixed it up with Gods of Egypt, because oh, I think they had mate. kind of similar posters, um, and I, in my head I was thinking of the poster for Gods of Egypt rather than this, and I thought it was like a really, really awful film. I... I tried... It's a much, much worse poster and probably much worse film, I imagine, I tr- I with tried... Jared Butler sh- doing lots of shouting. See, that also has a um, has a Game of Thrones man in it. It has um, Nikolai Costa-Waldau, who plays Horus. Um, 
and um, I think it has a couple of people actually from, uh, from... Chadwick Boseman. He's not. He's not a throne. But he's he has never. He has never appeared as um, the titular throne bachelor in ga- <laughs> ga- games of the single man throne. Game of the but, single man throne. But he is someone that I like. I I tried watching Gods of Egypt um, because it's kind of my emphasis thing. on try. <laughs> yeah, and I really couldn't get on board with it, and I was so disappointed because it's by a director I really like, Alex Proyas, who um, did the aforementioned Dark City, um, also directed The Crow. All oh, right. And so he's done these really good films, but then also he did stuff like Gods of Egypt or that weird film called Knowing with Nicolas Cage, which is a disaster movie that is really not good. Um, <laughs> and yeah, Gods of Egypt was a very bad, boring film, though. I See, was now very disappointed. I'm on the Wikipedia page for that, and it says it was written by a guy called Burke Sharpless. <laughs> Which just sounds like um, one of those Bob's and Dugnut names. <laughs> but sharpless. But um, apparently, he also contributed to the writing of the Last Witch Hunter with oh, our main hey. man, our main man Vin Diesel. Last Witch Hunter. I really wish that Last Witch Hunter was set in like a fantasy world instead of the modern world, though. Yeah. That 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 is my my sort of one wish about that film is if it, it, I'd like to see Vin Diesel in a fantasy epic, like a proper fantasy epic, not a sci-fi. Yeah. Cause it's all based on his, his D and D stuff. Is it? Yeah. It's, it's, it's vaguely based on his D and D character and things like that. I think. Yeah. I want him to go back in time and hunt witches. Yeah. That's what I want. Yeah. Where, where, where are the witches in fantasy world? Yeah. So I could have, um, I could have seen maybe Nicolas Cage playing Corvus, which would have been hilarious. I could I... have seen that as well, actually. But I'm glad that it's Keeper Sutherland. <laughs> yeah, he's great. Yeah, I think I think that was a, a genius stroke of casting there. Yeah, perfect. Oh dear, this movie, man, it makes me happy just thinking about it. Think thinking of thinking about thinking about our boy Keeper Sutherland just sort of vaguely waving his arms around. <laughs> Like, oh mate, it's so good. Yeah, and just being yeah, creepy and menacing. Just <laughs> being creepy and evil. But he doesn't really need to descend into violence all that often. Which is a good a good for a kind of action villain. Because less yeah. is more. He doesn't really do a lot. Um apart from the end um running away on chariot. Yeah, on one of those one-person chariots that you always see in films. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry, this chariot can only fit one rider and one person chained to it. No more, no less. One-person chariot pulled by three horses. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's... Ah, oh, dude, I'm so glad we watched this. Yeah, it, it was a good palate cleanser to take us into our, our second century of romantic podcasting. Exactly. I, I thought it was very romantic when they smooched at the end. And yeah, they kiss as the old flaming cloud of ash comes towards them. Yeah. Um, which is what, you, you know, that's a romantic thing, isn't it? It is, yeah. And, you know, they didn't... I thought there were lots... There's lots of times where it's like they're about to kiss and then they don't. They hold it off right until the last second. Whereas, yes. you know, as you said, a, a director with a more pornographic sensibility would have had would have had them do all sorts of things. And I never, I never thought I'd say this, but the kissing in this movie feels more real and more 
emotionally engaging than the kissing in Under the Cherry Moon. Oh, okay. So I'd... since um since you made such a point of talking about how horrible the kissing was in Under the Cherry Moon, this is now going to be a feature, isn't it, of every single film? <laughs> Whenever there's a kiss, how how nasty was the kissing? We need some <laughs> yeah. kind of kiss scale. Yeah, we need two points at the end. There's there's the there's the overall score of the film, and then there's the kiss scale. Gene Simmons, Peter Chris, or <laughs> who's the other one? I can't name any other members of Kiss. <laughs> the, other, the other guys. The other guys. Um, yeah, and the, the, yeah, Paul and Stanley, like, Paul Stanley, Bobson Dugnut, Bobson Dugnut, Burke Sharpless. He, <laughs> he was in Kiss, right? He was. Everyone's in Kiss at some point, right? Yeah, it's like everyone's played for the fool. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, the, the kiss, at, the kiss at the end is a nice little moment. I, I kind of toy in my head with whether I think this movie would have been better or worse if they'd survived at the end. So I think yeah. it's, it's got a really cheesy um, death of star-crossed lovers end, which is kind of nice in a way. But I, I kind of think it would have been even better if it had been silly enough for them to have outrun a volcano by horseback and made it to a <laughs> boat. And just this footage of them like sailing off to Spain being like, we've got to change our names. It's like, all right. <laughs> yep. See you later, Pedro. And the, and then like a a, a a sort of like a coda scene with them like relaxing on a little Roman <laughs> farm together. Oh, they're just they're in like Miami. Just and, and, and they've 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 got this little kid that runs up and it's like good boy Atticus something like that. Oh really, yeah, of course really... the kid the kid at the end scene. That's like a romantic film trope, isn't it? Yeah, and I think I think I would have preferred it slightly more if it went down that route with the super happy ending. But I do like the fact that they had that bittersweet, silly um, cliche of the we die in each other's arms kind yeah. of job. I just died in your arms tonight Must in Pompeii. Been... <laughs> <laughs> Must have been burning ash. <laughs> See, yeah, I think if they had survived, that's when you would have gotten the nerds coming out and being like, they wouldn't have actually survived. They'd have been killed by the gas. And I would have been laughing at them constantly. I'd yeah. have been all like, mate, get out. This is my Pompeii, not your Pompeii. <laughs> you want a serious movie about Pompeii? Go make it yourself. Yeah. Are there any serious movies about Pompeii? Apart from know. documentaries, obviously. I don't think so. That's a serious volcano film. <laughs> oh, no. That's not a Google search you want to make. <laughs> <laughs> The first thing that comes up is Volcano, which is not a serious Volcano film. Is it seriously um, bad? <laughs> it is It is quite bad. It does have Tommy Lee Jones in it, though. Yeah, so, his, you know. his name is the only name on the posters, which, <laughs> whether that's a good sign or not. <laughs> Tommy Lee Jones. Um, so, not, not to be confused with Tommy Lee from no. The Motley Cruise. Or Lee Jones, which is probably somebody's name. Which is probably the name of a taxi driver. <laughs> Lee Jones. Yeah, I don't see any. Oh, there is a movie by um, starring Ingrid Bergman called Stromboli about people whose lives are threatened by volcano. That might be. All right. Maybe. You never know. I, I don't think there's been any really good, serious movies about volcanoes, but I think it's better that way. 
No, I, I mean, it's impossible to take any of them seriously after one of them genuinely was sold with the slogan, the coast is toast. <laughs> Whereas Pompeii, its its tagline wasn't that fun. It was no warning, no escape. Yeah, that could, be, that could be any film. Surely they could have gone with something like, that's a spicy meatball. <laughs> but no. Yeah, just a picture of Kit Harrington's face and it says, that's a spicy meatball underneath it. <laughs> He is a spicy meatball. Yeah, or just just a picture of his abs, even. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. I, this it's not it's not a bad poster though. It's got no. Yeah. It's a good poster. It, it um it, it sums up everything you need to know about the film, doesn't it? Yeah. Big fiery volcano. Two people kissing. That, 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 that's what this movie is at its core. Yeah, it's it's cool. Um. So, have you got anything else you'd like to share about volcano? Um, no. Nope. <laughs> well, uh, uh, yeah, sure. I'd like to share loads of thoughts about volcano, namely that I have never seen it. <laughs> it's probably better that way. Um, I think we used to have it on video. I think for some reason we had both Volca- volcano and Dante's Peak on video. Wow, which is uh, which is great. I'm really ple- I'm really pleased that those were two of my formative films growing up that I could turn to and watch whenever I wanted. <laughs> I, yeah, I'm just looking at the like the box office and critical response. It made back its budget, which is good. Um, budget was about uh, eighty to one hundred million. It made one hundred seventeen million. So fair play. There we go. But yeah, the critical response was not good. Apparently, no, yeah. it did not go down well with critics. Yeah, see, I think it's just not worth being sniffy about these kind of films, is it? They're no, ent- no. Entertainments. I think it's all about entertainment, isn't it? Like you said. And and I think it delivers in that regard. I think it's a really fun film. If you want to see someone jumping through smoke on the back of a horse, um, a bad CGI horse, this is the movie for you. If you want to see yeah. someone fighting... A horse a with a long face. If you want to see someone break off a sword that's currently embedded in his chest and then use the shard of it to stab another man through the face while going, gladiators don't beg. Yeah. This is the movie for you because it's awesome. Making it some epic line about Romans versus gladiators. Yeah, because Romans suck. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck Romans. Well, rubbish. Get out, Romans. You you suck bad. Get in the sea like you did at the end of Pompeii. Exactly. Exactly. Um. <laughs> um. Yeah, but but it does have it does have that that romantic edge to it as well, which is nice. Yeah, it's cool. It's it, it's, it's got everything. This movie, everything you'd want. Are you not entertained? <laughs> exactly. Listen to our dear friend Russell Crowe. Rusty Crowbag. Rusty Crowe. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think I, I've got a little bit of trivia here, but have you got anything else you'd like to share about? No, no. Hit me with the trivia. So um, something that I liked is that when they do that handshake, uh, you know, like the long arm handshake, that is a um, official genuine handshake of the time that wasn't just a little bit of oh, okay. fun um apparently the original cut of this film ran for 130 minutes jesus christ <laughs> i don't know how much was cut but apparently most of carrie ann moss's role was cut from the film which explains oh. why such a big name is in this movie for about three seconds that's a shame um, which is a shame because i really like her and i think it would have been good to see her in that I haven't really seen her in much recently. No, she is in a, she is in another movie with Kit Harrington actually. Um she is in the second Silent Hill film. Oh. 
which is which is. I didn't know there was a first Silent Hill film. The, the first Silent Hill film is actually not that bad. It's quite interesting, and it has some pretty, um, some pretty vicious moments to it. Um, but yeah, the the second one, not not so much. Um, but they are they are both in it, which is something. Oh, she's Canadian. Oh, is she? Oh, yeah, there we go. Therefore, um, she's good. She is good. Carrie Ann Moss is good. But yeah, so so um, most of her role was cut. Um, apparently, um, her role could have been taken by Milia Jovich, who is Paul W. Uh, Anderson's wife, and obviously is in most from the, of the the Resident Evil films. From the Resident Evil films, she is um, the the Resident Evil, the evil she, resident. She she is the evil resident. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so 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 that's something. Um, apparently, and this will this will not come as much of a surprise to anybody who watched this film. Gladiator was a very big influence. You don't say. <laughs> Does that? That's not trivia. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it, it might be. It might be trivia if it's been officially confirmed by like the director or something. Right. Like okay. But yeah. come on, guys. Obviously, <laughs> it was a big influence. Do you um, know what else? Um, Lord of the Rings was a big influence on Games of Throne. <laughs> Games of the Throne. Yeah. Because Tolkien was also a bachelor who spent many different seasons looking for a wife. Exactly. Um, Lord of the Rings was all about the wedding ring. Yeah. Um, Game of Thrones is all about the the throne of, of marriage. Yeah. Um, how marriage makes us all into royalty. Yeah, that's that true. Is... I, I feel like a king right now. You are a king. Yeah. I'm just a peasant. <laughs> yeah, you're you're the you're the guy with the like drawn on sharpie hair who, who would try to buy his passage out of Pompeii. That's exactly right. <laughs> um. Anyway, do you have anything else to to share? No, I d- I do not. No, it's. I think we said everything we need to say. It's good, entertaining, stupid, enjoyable, fun. Yes, exactly, exactly. So why not treat yourself and allow yourself to be entertained by some rubbish? Exactly. I think you know sometimes you're you're owed a fun silly movie to watch where you don't really have to think about it where you can just enjoy the spectacle of it all and laugh at the bad moments. And and that's exactly what Pompeii delivers. Yeah. And it delivers. <laughs> that's exactly that's our review. It, it delivers. It is a movie. It is a movie. This is an actual film. Um so so how are we going to how are we going to rank this then? Uh, let's see. How many gladiators are chained to the rock um, alongside you as you fight for your life against the Roman goons? Mm, that is a good, good question. I'm going to go with 11 because this is not a good film, but I did have fun with it. So I want to give it more than just the Bon Jovi. Because there was there was some care put into it, and it, it it tries to entertain you, and it achieves it, not always necessarily by the way that it wants to. So yeah, I think eleven, eleven, uh, eleven gladiators out of twenty. Yeah, that I'd say that's fair. I'll yeah, I'll give it, I'll give it a ten, just for yeah. I mean, it's a Bon Jovi, just because it's not the kind of thing I'd usually like, but I was pleasantly surprised by it, and I did enjoy it. Excellent. Excellent. So having seen our beautiful boy Kit Harrington, has it got you any more interested in watching Game of Thrones? I'll I'll get round to it at some point. At some point you'll be like, Oh, you know what? That that Kit Harrington, he was a bit of all right. I did think he was good. I was I did think his performance was definitely competent. I think he can act for sure. Yeah, I think given the script they're given, he's the one who manages to make the most out of it. 
um, which is saying something about his ability. And he is, he's very good in other things as old Kit Arrington. Yeah. I'll be interested to see how many of the cast of Game of Thrones, who have, whose main uh, source of success has been Game of Thrones. So people like Lena Headey have already been successful in other things, for instance, um, or Charles Dance. But, you know, you've got those people like... Charles Dance was, was a hero before Game of Thrones. Exactly, exactly. So I wouldn't consider him part of that lot. The seagull-like like... demon man. <laughs> you've, got, you've got people like Kit Harrington. Um, you've got Amelia Clark um, and Richard Madden as well, who's made a good name for himself so far in things like Bodyguard, uh, Cinderella, for instance. Um, so you've got the, you've got those people that have have really become big through Game of Thrones, and I wonder how many of them will will have flourishing careers afterwards, or whether they will be struck down with the curse um, of other phenomenon like Lord of the Rings or Star Wars, where they can never quite recreate the same level of success. Yeah, yeah. Poor old Elijah Wood. Yeah, Elijah Wood's an interesting one because he's been in some fun little weird movies, but... I haven't seen him in anything lately, actually, now that I think about it. No, the last thing I saw him in um, was a film called Maniac, which is a remake of an old horror movie where it's all through his first-person view. Um, right. which is a, a, a strange little movie. Um, but he's also in a film I really wanted to watch called Cooties, which is about a kind of zombie outbreak at school where all, all the right. teachers have to try and avoid zombie kids. It's supposed to be quite funny. Sounds good. Um, yeah. So he's been in, he's been in the odd funny thing, but I, I do want, I do wonder about, you know, a few of them have been in other things. You've got Kit Harrington's been in a few movies. Amelia Clark's been in a few movies as well. Um, I wonder how many of them will really make it huge afterwards and be in something as big as Game of Thrones. How many of them will do the Harrison Ford? Yeah, it's going to be a thing that looms large in all of their careers. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But yeah, I'll get I'll get around to it eventually at some point. Maybe maybe after baseball season. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Just just binge watch it all. Yeah. There's... Um so yeah, listeners, what did you think of um Pompeii and who do you think from the Game of Thrones cast is going to be the most successful after it's over yeah those are, give, those are my questions for you give us all your Game of Thrones tips yeah who is who's going to win the Game of Thrones who's going to be sitting on that throne of lovely who will sit on Kit Harrington's lap and fondle who's, his fondle his rock hard abs who's going to be sitting on Kit Harrington's lap fondling those abs going oh I love you I love your beautiful face Kit yep let me let me stroke it. <laughs> that's what that's what we want to know. That's what we want to know. Yeah, he does have a nice face. He does have a nice face. <laughs> anyway, right? Have we got anything else to share? No, no, I have. I I have not. No. So it's cool. um, <laughs> my choice next, and um, again in a complete departure, and sort of straight back to our our raison d'être of the um. The romantic comedy. We're going to be watching "It's Complicated" next. Oh, oh, classic! Which is a good one. Um, which uh, was recommended by my colleague Paul, who works in audiobooks. We were chatting at work the other day, um, and he said, "You know, I do this podcast. It's about romantic fil- comedies, well, romantic films more broadly." And he said, "Have you done "It's Complicated" yet?" Because it's one of his faves. I said, "No, we haven't." And it reminded me that it is quite a good one. So yeah, let's do it. Alec Baldwin. Yeah, a bit of Meryl. Meryl Streep. Yeah, it's a good one. So yeah, we'll be watching that next. 
for episode 102. So you know, we're, yeah, we're, we're into this into that century now. There's yeah, no, no gotta, stopping us. Got to ramp it up. Yeah. Alrighty. Alrighty. So yeah, as um as always, you can get in touch with us on Twitter at Big Boys Don't Pod. Um, email us Big Boys Don't Cry Podcast at gmail dot com. Um, thank you for listening to last week's episode about Under the Cherry Moon. Um, that's been doing very very well. So we appreciate those numbers. Obviously, a lot of Prince fans slash Prince haters out there. So. Oh mate, Can't, who's the Prince haters? You. Although, am I counted as a Prince hater? <laughs> yes, you are. This is what all of last week's episode was about. <laughs> Mate. It's not about how you hate Prince. I just, I, I don't know how you can support someone who gives such wonderful gifts to the mail on Sunday. Wait. Hang on, hang on. Listeners, what this obviously doesn't doesn't work in podcast form, but I did the thing that Prince does in Under the Cherry Moon, where he just puts on sunglasses and just sits there silently. It was beautiful. It was beautiful because he's a giant troll. He is trolling us, trolling us all. Yep. <laughs> all right. Well, we will be back next week um, to talk about it's complicated. Alrighty. Bye bye. Right. Bye.